listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening. I'd love to start connecting with you, my listeners. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode or any of the episodes, watch for posts for each of them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I can imagine the energy of connecting over these inspiring people's stories. I mean, maybe, just maybe, you have the same passion, or maybe you've been wanting to talk to someone with this thing going on. Yes, we need to talk. Come find me. In this episode, I'm talking with Edward Seaton. He's a filmmaker, photographer, director, archer, camper, and a whole lot of other things. And what makes him especially unique is that he joined me over there at the Airbnb I rent in California to have this interview in person. And it's a good one, and I'll tell you why I know that. Because when I was listening back, every time I laughed on the actual recording, I was laughing out loud in the room. So that's a pretty good sign. Just try not to laugh. Seriously. Hi, Edward. Welcome to Listening Particles. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, for our listeners, I wanted to tell them a little bit of a backstory here, which is we're in that house I talk about in Occidental, which is a super cool Airbnb called the Lark Nest, if anyone likes to come, wants to come out here. And um, we're having kind of the first misty day of the week i've been here it's actually a little eerie out there it's beautiful very foggy (laughs) and yeah maybe a little bit eerie and you can hear it's really cool too when you go out there because you can hear the the redwoods dripping the mist down to their roots it's kind of a cool experience if you ever want to try it all right so we should probably tell people how we met we met um at one of the local watering holes called the union i believe we did, yeah. And yeah, it was like jukebox and drinks and good old, you know, country yeah. down home. There may or may not have been some whiskey involved, but <laughs> there, and there on was my a, part, there definitely was whiskey <laughs> for sure. And there was a good crowd. It was fun, and mm-hmm. we got to talking about um, my show because it was just after I launched it. I think mm-hmm. it was in September last year, and then you were talking about the work that you do, and then we realized we both. That you came, like you both, we both came from Wisconsin. We did. Which is weird. How does that even happen, you know? I don't know. It's a weird place to be from, I guess. Madison General was born there. Yeah. I don't know that many people who, well, since I left Wisconsin, um, that were actually born there. So, yeah, nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> and then you started telling me all about the things that you're, you're up to. So, why didn't you, especially the archery, I think we went... Sure. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about, I don't, I forget what else we talked about, but what I'm doing right now is um, I'm kind of in transition, actually. I've I've just started a new thing um, up in Humboldt at a place called the Heartwood Institute. 
um, and we're going to be doing a monthly camp out um, mm. where basically, I, I, I don't know if I told you about my experience with this uh, organization called Camp Grounded. You did. Yeah. Why don't you talk about those? Yeah. There's a lot, there's a good backstory to all of that. Well, I mean, so I guess mm, the best place to start was me moving to California. I moved to California like four years ago mm-hmm. and I have a background in advertising, um, filming, editing, directing um, in Chicago. And I came out here to California for a new for a new chapter in my life and started working in advertising uh, off the bat. I had some friends that worked in some agencies downtown San Francisco. And so I was pretty busy for the first couple of years doing that. Um, and then there was a big mix up at the agency where I was freelancing and that work dried up. Um, and it was about the same time that I decided that I didn't want to live in San Francisco, but I wanted to move up here to Sonoma County. I just fell in love with it. It's gorgeous. So it, I did the same. It's a magic. It's a magical place. And like once you come here, you're kind of. I think everybody's probably in the back of their head trying to figure out how they can stay here. So mm-hmm. I, I just I saw an opportunity and jumped at it. And um, my work changed dramatically. You know, I stopped doing a lot of the big advertising stuff um, and um, started working with some really interesting organizations. One of being one of which being the um, outfit called camp grounded or digital detox okay and uh, essentially this is just a it's a summer camp for adults mm-hmm. um that they put on um a few times a year mm-hmm. at different uh, various summer camps throughout america actually um and yeah it's just a, a crazy weekend for adults to come and relive their childhood in a, in a summer camp involvement and that i was brought i was so fun yeah i was i was brought on to tell the story and one of the things about campground it is that they um they require you to turn over any technology so you can't have your cell phone oh you God. can't have a camera you can't have an ipod you can't have anything wow uh, yeah it's great you can't have a watch um there's a few rules huh. that they have but that's life-changing it is people grumble at first and right. really get uncomfortable and then twitchy, within twitchy. yeah within yeah. the first you know middle of the first day they're fully embracing you know, the concept of not having this little thing ringing in their pocket all the time. Um, so did you go first as a guest, I like went, as a camper, or did you go specifically for the work? I went for the work. I, okay. it was, um, I was, I volunteered at a, um, to, to shoot stills and video at a yoga thing in Healdsburg. Mm-hmm. And I met this woman who, um, she, she took a shine to me for some reason. I don't know why, but like, she, like, she said, she came right I up to me. She's like, I, go on. <laughs> she said, uh, you've got to meet this guy. This, I have a uh-huh. friend named Levi and you got to meet him. Mm. He's just the coolest thing that ever happened. And you got to meet him. And I thought, okay, cool. Sounds a little hokey, but, mm. um, she was telling me a little bit about his camp. He's got this campground and summer camp for adults and whatnot. And again, I thought it was a little hokey and, um, <laughs> and then she called or Facebook messaged me the very next day and was like, he needs someone to shoot his event. You should call Ooh. him. Yeah, call him today or email him today. Cosmic timing. Yeah, so I reached out to this guy, mm-hmm. Levi Felix, um, and um, yeah, he said like basically I've got I've got very little money. You know, we we had a film crew up here previously, and they got a bunch of footage. We need footage from this event mm-hmm. and the next one or whatever. If you come up. Um, you know, basically it's just kind of just jump in the deep end if you want to do it or not. Right. And I didn't have anything else planned. So I said, sure. And I just went up there and experienced uh-huh. campground for the first time. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a life changing event for me personally. 
So um, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Like what what was it like afterwards, like going back? Did it change how you inter- interacted with technology after being there? A little bit. I think, no, that, I mean, that was, that is what Camp Grounded is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the digital detox and for that, for a lot of people, that's what it's about. For, but for me personally, it was a very um, personal experience that kind of touched me. Mm-hmm. A little bit of backstory, just so you know, um, the, the founder of Camp Grounded, um, Levi Felix, passed away this past January. I saw that. From a, from a brain tumor. And they're uncertain about what they're going to do with the camp. They don't oh. know if it's going to continue or what capacity it will continue or if they just need some, some time away. Mm-hmm. The family was very involved, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, getting to know Levi a little bit mm-hmm. and getting to see what he created mm-hmm. and being introduced to all of these really wonderful, like-minded individuals who didn't need their technology and, did, and it's also no drugs, no alcohol who didn't need drugs or alcohol to exist, um, was, was life changing. Um, uh, you know, moving to, from Chicago to San Francisco and continuing in advertising was a, a continuation of the same theme mm-hmm. essentially in my life. Mm-hmm. And then it was really when I, I went to camp grounded mm-hmm. and had that experience that it, it shifted dramatically and turned and, you know, it brought archery back into my life. It brought all right. kinds of things back into my life. So, um, what a cool serendipity, right? Yeah. And How now, and now, uh, you know, f- with, from relationships that I've met or I had made through the camps, I'm, I'm working with this group of people in Humboldt, you mm-hmm. know, and we're actually starting, um, it's not a camp grounded situation. It's not a summer camp. It's just mm-hmm. a, a monthly gathering. And the, and the main point of it being that it happened, regularly on a schedule so people could kind of count on it and mm-hmm. so one thing i noticed um more than anything because at camp grounded my job was to walk around with a video camera and ask people questions and talk okay. to them about, fun ask them I about their like experiences <laughs> and stuff like that so um and i heard the same thing over and over which is this is so important to us this is this one thing that we get to do a year mm-hmm. is really the thing that keeps us going you know mm-hmm. and so um i think there should be more of that yeah. I agree. I think that's why I keep coming back here. This is sort of where I um, replenish every, and I I do it at least once a year. I've been two or three times a year. I try to get to this specific place, uh-huh. but I totally get that. So what will be the theme of the one in Humboldt? Well, the Humboldt theme camp is, the, the main theme is that it happens every month. Okay. It's at this, one, it's at this beautiful 200-acre parcel uh, out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. Humboldt. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to get to, but right. once you get there, it's incredible. There's probably no coverage, so even if no, you Yeah, so you can bring your devices if you want to, but they're not going to work. Um, and uh, they, they, it's been there for 40-some-odd years. It's, it was a learning institute huh. for a while, a healing center for a while. It's kind of shifted and, and changed around. Um, and so they have a pool and they have a mm. spa and they have, uh, a gar- you know, they have a f- organic farm on, on the premises that, the, that they use for their meals and things like this. So it's a really, um, beautiful escape mm-hmm. and they needed some, they needed some ongoing programming, essentially something that happened on a regular basis. Nice. And so, um, one of the members of, or one of the people that I went to camp with camp grounded, we just started talking about how, you know, it's it's terrible that we can't do this more often. And right. then we're like, why don't we do it more often? And here we go. And That's so the so cool. the response so far, and this is all very fresh. We're actually in um, my my buddies in a meeting right now, um, trying to figure out the, the last details of that. But the first one will be the first weekend of August. 
So you'll be there. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's basically just being out in a campground environment. Yeah. Oh, I should be more specific. Um, no, no, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So basically, <laughs> um, there will be a themes per month. Okay. Um, oh. And this first month, we have um, this guy named Fog. Fog. One of the thing, one of the things about Camp Grounded is uh, uh, everybody gets a camp name. Okay. Know? So there's a few you know a few rules to Camp Grounded, and uh, and that one was you couldn't talk about your age, you couldn't talk about work. I like that. I you like couldn't that. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't uh, what was that? You couldn't have a watch and these okay. sorts of things. Um, and also you didn't have to, but they strongly recommended that you um, get a camp name, and so people okay. would come up with all kinds of silly names. My camp name was Shooter. Okay. Um, and my my buddy's name uh, camp name was Merriweather, and there was a fellow named Fog. Okay. Who <laughs> was brought into Camp Grounded to um, run a tea like experience, like a like a, basically he was there to like actually drinking s- tea, tea yeah, drinking okay. serving tea, okay. just the the the, huh. the art of having tea. There's an art to that. Yes, there is, yeah, and uh, it's ancient art actually. Right, exactly. That's cool. and That's um, so cool. yeah, so he um, he does this thing called uh, tea teleportation and time travel, which is like a guided meditation. Uh-huh while you're having tea with a group of people and it's um i want that yeah it's mind-blowing it's really I people totally want that. can you practice on me while i'm here can we do- uh, uh he's actually not far from here and i can see what i can do but like um he would he would be a wonderful interview for you honestly oh. he would be you would you'd love him anyway fog fog is <laughs> fog is a magical man and he um has this wonderful oh. thing and he's actually developing it and he's in the process of developing it so um, he's going to come up and lead kind of a, a deep dive tea teleportation and time travel mm. deep dive. Um, and then we have, uh, I think we're going to do a bunch of archery and we have some music. We have a, a musician from um, Canada coming in who will be doing kind of music in the evenings and everything. So it's going to be a very um, laid back. There's not a huge agenda. You don't, mm-hmm. you can do any of it. You can don't have to do any of it. Okay. Um, There's lots just, of grounds to explore. Yeah, it's just and all like that. a big, huge, open place. So, for how you to many relax. people? How many people? I think. Um, I mean, this first time around, we're looking at ten or twenty people. It's oh, a, so really it, small. It's, it's a small it's group of people. Okay. Um, and I think when we were up and running at capacity, we're looking at anywhere from fifty to hundred people. Mm. So we're not we're not talking a massive festival. This is supposed okay. to be intimate. It's supposed to be um, small groups. You know. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, I'm already like, when can I do this? I want to be there. Because I already think I have like three camp names mm-hmm. in my head for me. <laughs> so I'm good on that. That's why I'm distracted I'm trying to think of camp names. Uh-huh. But my first question is like, how the heck do you get there? Because even to go to Eureka, I had to fly into San Francisco to get there. Can you fly in closer to that? You can fly into Santa Rosa if you have the money. It's okay. more expensive to fly right. into Santa Rosa. But still, how far from Santa Rosa? Um, but then you're still driving another three hours yeah. north. So like that that's the biggest hurdle that we have, honestly. Oh. Is And um, I thought it was going to be a much bigger hurdle than, it, than it's turning out to be. Mm-hmm. We kind of let people know that we're doing this. And just to see what the response was. And the mm-hmm. response has been overwhelming. Most people are just like, we drive up that way to go all, to all kinds of festivals right. anyways. There's reggae on the river. There's, right. all the, you know, there's uh, tons of uh, big music festivals in the summertime up that way yeah. anyway. So people are used to kind of driving north of the city. Yeah. The hardest part is actually the last 
40 minutes of the journey, which uh, is literally, it's on, it's off this road called uh, Bell Springs Road, okay. which I learned recently is one of the oldest roads in California, Ooh. if not America. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And it's like this famous road where, you know, the stagecoaches would mm-hmm. go from San Francisco all the way mm-hmm. to Eureka and whatever, and all right. these old stories of the robberies that happen along there. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's steeped with history. This okay. is like an amazing, very rural, um, mm-hmm out there kind of place it's pretty cool and i just drove that drive not Mm -hmm. that specific road but up to eureka this trip and Mm -hmm. i thought it was beautiful here oh my gosh it's just like i think i said a thousand times yeah oh my god it's so gorgeous yeah so the the drive itself is a is a gift right you know what i mean so i was just curious about how to get closer because i I mean the first time i went up there the first time i actually went to this Mm -hmm. place where it's going to be it's it's called the uh, heartwood institute um uh, and I thought, my God, no one's gonna ever gonna no one's no one's gonna drive out <laughs> right. here. And honestly, for a one evening kind of deal, mm-hmm. no one would drive all the right. way out there. So we looked at like you know how do we how do we how do we get people up here? Could we have a bus service? Could mm-hmm. we have some sort of like you know transportation? But for so far, people are just like, nope, we'll be there. Nice, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll carpool, whatever. People right. people really want this experience of being able to unplug and wow. um, get you know, in nature. And we just so happen to have like this awesome facility with a mm-hmm. pool and a spa and like everything just all ready to go. How exciting to be, be like part of the beginning of something new like that. Yeah. I mean, the creative, creating that experience is, well, it's funny the fun, be- because it? when, when, uh, when campground, was, was really ro- roaring. I, I spoke to those guys about, you know, like, cause I, I didn't go up, grow up going to summer. I went to summer camp once I or twice go, or whatever. Yeah. So I vaguely have this memory but I certainly didn't do it in like middle school or high school years. Mm-hmm. And what I, but I went camping every month for 10 years of my life. Oh, okay. And it was through the Boy Scouts or through family or whatever. Okay. But it was like there was, there was every single month we went camping somewhere. Nice. And so camping was about get, getting to a field somewhere, setting up a tent, uh-huh. figuring out <laughs> what you're having for dinner, making your dinner, right. getting ready for bed. It's like, all logistics. It was the, yeah, it was the <laughs> camping was the, the act of camping, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas camp grounded, you're in bunks and you're there for a few days. And so there's all these different events, different dinners mm-hmm. to go to and different things to get dressed up for. And mm-hmm. there's a dance and there's a talent show, mm-hmm. which is super awesome. But that's not what I remember mm-hmm. as camping being, um, camping was something that happened regularly and that was pretty simple and you didn't have to think about it too much, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm hoping that what we can create is essentially, um, a, a reflection of that where people have, as I, like I said, I went camping for 10 years in my life and then mm-hmm. suddenly I stopped. And mm-hmm. the reason I stopped is because I was no longer part of the Boy Scouts or there was no right. longer that group of people that went and did it. I moved to a big city and didn't know anybody and got into filmmaking and suddenly yeah. I didn't camp anymore, you know? And the reality was, is if I had a group or if there was a group that kind of regularly got together and did this sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, I probably still would have. So that's what we're trying to create. I love it. And I that's you can do that here, especially the like every month thing. Mm-hmm. I think I have friends in Wisconsin who go to a, it's a family camp up north in Wisconsin, but it's only during the summer. You know, mm-hmm. it's for like a three month window and they go for a week and that's mm-hmm. it. Well, even, that's the yeah, thing is like yeah. I was telling him, he was like, well, what are we going to do in the wintertime? It gets pretty rough up here. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, well, we probably shouldn't expect a whole lot of people, right. but maybe there are people who want to have that experience. I mean, like when I was in the Boy Scouts, we right. would, in Texas, um, 
you know, we would get a patch if it got below freezing. We would go to the freezery or whatever in January. And if it got below freezing, you get a special patch. And it was a big deal. It was like right. the stories you make. And I think that, I think that, uh, yeah, it's not all always about just like comfort. Sometimes it's about adventure and totally about see what adventure. You, seeing, seeing what you can do. So getting up there is part of the adventure, you know, right there, there, um, it's tenting. Um, there's plenty of tenting space available. If you did want to upgrade, there are rooms and things like that, that, that they have available. So it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like camping light, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But you could go as far as you want, you know? Yeah, I need the camping light version. Okay. So that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a tent camper. I tried it once and no? then it stormed. And oh. I actually, okay, so here's one of my, my bucket list things. I just saw at a glimpse, this. there's somebody who has this thing called 100 Things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. And I saw it on actually. It's like 100 I, Things You Got to Do Before You Kick It. To, yeah, it's like a bucket list, but he's like, he's got this, he's making a big deal out of it. So he's got some gig going on. And it, it looked interesting, but it was on a TV across the room somewhere at a, at a restaurant and I didn't quite catch it, but it made me think about like, I really want to camp on the beach at the ocean. I see people doing that all the time. And every time I come here, I'm like, I need to do that, but I don't have camping on the beach is overrated. (laughs) Just telling you, I've done it multiple times. There's lots of things that uh, you don't think about. It seems really romantic and wonderful, but yeah, it can get, it can be, uh, I don't know, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Okay. I did notice if you like, if you like, you know, you can actually shape the sand to your body. So then you feel like you're like sleeping on a special mattress. That's sure. like, you know, so there's that. Yeah. But yeah, it's windy and kind of damp and, and right. all that. Well, you still need, yeah. You, I mean, it's you can do it and it can be yeah. very comfortable. I don't know. Like I'm, I guess I'm kind of a, um, a fair weather camper these days. You know, I haven't done much roughing it <laughs> right. lately. Well, neither, I have never. So the last, the last, the last camp is I would, it's car camping, you know? Right. So when I get there, I, you know, the car, the vehicle's close by and you can bring lots of stuff. And right. But, um, but yeah, like having the right gear and having, um, maybe someone had to help you the first few yes. times so that, you know, like there's right. so many different little things from where to put the tent to, you know, yeah. where to start I, I can't fire, do it stuff alone. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I realize that there's a safety aspect to that because, well, not even just safety of myself, just like I will do something completely ridiculous and wake up in the, actually in the water mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. I did see though on, on one of the beaches, like these big teepees made out of like a bunch of driftwood. Yeah. That's What's kind of a that? local, it's like a low, I think that's mainly surfing culture kind of, they oh, okay. driftwood, they, um, they just kind of, I don't know if it's surfers or if it's just oh, okay. families that come out there and they're building windbreaks and things yeah. like that. Because, yeah, the Northern California beaches are, are yes. chilly. It was cold the other day. Yeah. But they were, they looked really sturdy, you know? And I was kind of like, does somebody own those? Or Some of them have been there them? for for years, <laughs> yeah. you know? And they're just waiting for the next storm to blow through yeah. and, and rip them all apart again. But, like, yeah, some of them have been there for years. So and, I, I, and I heard legends around this area, actually, of people who would, like, stay out in these things or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was a murder or something in Jenner. Oh, that's where I was. Really? Yeah, there was like some gruesome murder oh, on the okay. beach there. We, I won't go yeah. check out one of those teepees. Yeah, those driftwood so, teepees something then. to do with the driftwood teepees. I yeah. don't really know exactly. It was before I got here. So. Okay, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I'll mark that up to my safety list. But that's on my, you know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't a camper. I was super, um, yeah, it wasn't my thing growing up. But now, I like the more time I'm in the woods, the happier I am. Mm-hmm. It's like I finally found that that's my thing. I just haven't slept out in them yet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and again, it's like you know, there's an art to camping, honestly. Mm-hmm. And this this may be like this first theme for our uh, Humboldt Adventure Camp. 
um, is is fog and his tea and his tea. But uh, you know, maybe we'd do a theme where just like you know, camping one hundred and one, oh, where like we fun. have like some experts that are going to help you set up your tents and do things and figure stuff out for the first time. I would totally come to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so is there a website or anything? yet? Not yet. No, okay. this is all oh, brand new. Okay, yeah. it's uh, I've been up there for the last uh, five or six days in, mm-hmm. in Humboldt at the at the Hartwood Center, and just going over logistics and trying to figure out what our next move was. We. We thought we would in personally invite a few people mm-hmm. for this first one, and we 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 kind of tickled it out into the Facebook world and got an overwhelming response. Oh. So, so suddenly, it seems like we might actually have a real go for the first one. Wow. It seems so. Yeah, we got music lined up and <gasps> very exciting. Yeah, and ha- it happens to coincide actually, and this is not done by accident. But there's this really great little community that exists around the Heartwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just so you know, in Lower Humboldt, mm-hmm. it's pot farms everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> so, but it's uh, I mean, it's, you might have like a, I don't know, I, I didn't have a very clear image of what these pot farms kind of looked like or mm-hmm. felt like before I got there. But the people who work on these at these places are just down home, I know. wonderful people. Yep. Some of them from all over the you know all over the world. Yeah. And and Hartwood, this institute has become kind of like this hub or um, a place where people gather. Mm. And so they do a thing called the mountain exchange mm-hmm. on the first Friday of every month, which is basically there's a parking lot at the Hartwood and they kind of take it over and they mm-hmm. serve food and there's some hay bales and people start playing music. And so everybody so in the community cool. and we're talking quite a few people come in to just, you know, rub right. shoulders with other people. Right. And so we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could add, you know, some folks from the city mm-hmm. to come up and have this experience. And That's started talking exciting. to people up there and seeing if they'd be okay with it, first of all. And, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, everybody's been really positive. So we're just putting the final touches on it. Don't you think um, Occidental has a little bit of that vibe? Uh, yeah. Because that's what I felt here since I've gotten here. And I didn't know the whole the whole pot community thing. That was something I um, unfortunately stumbled over a few times with. Like I see my neighbor down the road. I'm like, hey, can I come check out your gardens? You have so many things growing. He's like, yeah, you need to step back. I had no idea. People like, uh, I tell the story of how when I first moved out to the area, I didn't live in Occident. I lived in Monterio. Okay. And um, I was, you know, I was still fresh from Chicago, right. so I and I had just jumped up from. I lived in Vallejo, San, near San mm-hmm. Francisco, and um, so I was just kind of wide-eyed. It was so beautiful, the mm-hmm. redwoods and the river. It was summertime. Right. It was just gorgeous. And I remember walking down across the bridge with my coffee in the morning in Monterio. And as I was walking halfway across the bridge, this this sheriff pulls up right next to me, mm-hmm. and he rolls down his window and he says. Hey, buddy. You know, and I was like, hi. I'm just like, just <laughs> la, like la, la. over the moon. Yeah. And he said, uh, so uh, how's the grow? And I, I looked at him and I was like, what? Well, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> officer. What are you talking about? Tomatoes and cucumbers? Or what are you talking about? And he just laughed, big belly laugh, and uh-huh. just drove away. And it was several weeks after that that I kind of somebody had to explain to me <laughs> what what was actually going on up here and, and yeah it's at least it's at least 50 percent of the economy yeah. i'd say okay so i have like almost the same story only a little different last mm-hmm. time i was here i was talking to someone some of the people i met locally and they had a friend coming up because they were up to to, to trim weed mm-hmm. and i'm like 
people come all the like i'm like they have weed i'm like literally envisioning weed whacking all day long like this is the job <laughs> that they have to do and it and I, I mean it it took me like hearing that phrase about three times over a course of days to finally go oh yeah i was so embarrassed <laughs> yeah but now i'm a little wiser to it i'm like yeah just like let that all be its thing and yeah so and, it, and it's really right now especially is really interesting it's all up in the air people right. people really don't know um how it's going to settle you know yeah because they just legalized it it's completely le- it, yeah now, it's legal right? i think in 2018 it becomes right. recreationally um right. legal or it is already except I'm not quite yeah, what sure. Is, yeah, well, we, I guess we don't. I think it's recreationally that. legal right now, except you can't buy it in a store yeah, because okay. the stores haven't been licensed and they won't be licensed until 2018. Okay, okay. Which I is get it. clear as mud. But, right. Yeah. yeah, it's very confusing. I know, especially coming from Wisconsin where nothing is legal at all, you know, uh-huh. and going, what is what is okay here? So, yeah. Yeah. See, I have this weird, like, I, Wisconsin seems liberal to me, and that was probably it, like, just because yeah. it's my upbringing mm-hmm. and and being around madison mm-hmm. and whatnot but it is really quite a conservative place i mean the state and mm-hmm. you know the state itself as a whole is, yeah. yeah yeah i know it's nice being close to madison mm-hmm. feels more like me for right now at least <laughs> okay so the other thing i don't even know i've not seen time so okay we're at about uh half like an hour so we're good yeah. um this is so fun i could go all day on these topics but let's talk about your archery okay think. sure archery yeah um i don't know where do we start well, um, how about how, so you have, I want to know about the different things you're doing with it. So how you started, okay. got into archery and then this, sure. this, uh, organization that you're okay. running. Um, and, yeah, like I started in archery. I started in archery at that, at one of my first camping experiences. It was a summer, it was, uh, um, a camp called Camp Web and they just had a basic archery range. And my mother, uh, I think saw that I really enjoyed it and um, got me one of these, you know, like fiberglass kid bows, you know, mm-hmm. set of arrows. And I had that um, growing up and I shot regularly. I really enjoyed it. Made my own bows at one point mm-hmm. with, you know, not nothing fancy, sticks right. and strings and dowel rods and whatnot. But, um, and it was just part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I kind of went through a gun phase. <laughs> it was a very similar time in my life to my Christian phase. Uh-huh. You know, product of my surroundings as growing up in Texas, and that was definitely my surroundings. When did you move to Texas? I didn't know this part. Yeah, I moved when I was 10. Okay. I moved when I was 10. So 10 what years part old. of Texas? Uh, I lived in a little town called Bernie, Texas, right outside of San Antonio. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. South. Okay. Yeah. South Central. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. How long? Key of the Hill Country, they called it. Ah. It's pretty. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was down there a couple of years ago. Mm. I didn't realize how big San Antonio was. Yeah, it's kind of sprawling now. It's isn't humongous. It? Yeah. yeah, it's one of the top ten cities, top biggest cities now. Doesn't surprise me. So, um, how long did you grow? Did you live there then? Till you? So I lived uh, in Texas. I say to I tell people I did I did time in Texas <laughs> from from year ten to year twenty. Okay. Uh, and then I moved from there to Chicago to okay. go to film school. All right. Um. But yeah, so while growing up in Texas, I, I kind of moved away from archery okay, um, a little bit, and um, but still had a bow and still shot. I just didn't have many friends that did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to um, 
Chicago to go to film school, like, mm-hmm. you know, downtown Chicago right. and lived all over Chicago, but always downtown somewhere. Mm. And, um, that's a change. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big change. And I didn't shoot for years, you know, mm. like really didn't shoot for years. And then, um, was going through some stuff and was actually seeing a therapist and mm-hmm. archery came up. It's one of these kind of archetypal images in, mm-hmm. in one's life. And, um, she was like, Oh, well, you should do that again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I should. So <laughs> I, I found a range. It was an indoor range at first, which is really horrible. I hate that, shooting. That must be weird. I hate shooting inside. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like under fluorescent lighting and mm-hmm. it's usually bad music playing and whatnot. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, but uh, but I was shooting again, and then I found a range that's actually on the lake in, oh. in Chicago. There's mm. a, there's most of these big towns have some sort of municipal archery range mm-hmm. um, because archery used to be a really big deal, mm. um, and so they're us- they're usually kind of in the back of a park somewhere, mm-hmm. not very well tended or whatnot. And I anyway, I found one on uh, right on Lake Michigan, nice. and it was gorgeous. So yeah, I would just go out there. It was free to go, and it was it was it, it began to be my therapy mm-hmm. and I, then I dabbled a little bit in um, what I call what we call mechanical bows so I had mm-hmm. a compound for a while because you start off with a recurve and then you think oh well, I need a compound mm-hmm. I need I need the more the, the fancier bits right um, and then very quickly got out of that as well because it mm-hmm. was not it's not the same thing went back. Um, went back to the traditional stuff and and yeah archer became therapy it's mm-hmm. not I don't I don't hunt with it. You know, I'm not opposed to hunting. If somebody wants to invite me to go hunting, I'd love to go. But like, Mm -hmm. it's not something that I'm training to go hunting for. It's Mm -hmm. something that I shoot on a regular basis to center me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a disciplined art. It is. Gorgeous and disciplined. It is. And, um, And once you've done it for a while... After you get over the whole, like, this is what, how I'm supposed to stand and this is what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do with my arms and legs and whatnot, um, you start really quickly realizing that the clearer your mind is, the better you shoot. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, it's like a guided meditation, if you will, uh-huh. you know. Um, and so, yeah, I started um, shooting a lot more when I got out here. Obviously, there was just like, the, the homes that I was living in or that I was renting. They just they had backyards. There mm-hmm. was space. Um, and there was also a lot of interest from the community when I, mm-hmm. I, brought, I came out from Chicago, I had a couple bows, they were on my wall, people would come over and mm-hmm. I want to try that, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and so, yeah, I started doing, um, lessons, you know, like, really? like, like impromptu that. lessons. Oh, if impromptu. You're, okay. Uh, well, no, now, now I'm actually doing lessons, lessons, you know, and, oh, really? and, and getting insured to do that. And that's like, most of it's been friends and whatnot, but for adults and kids or just adults. Yeah. For both. Okay. Um, and, uh, about two years ago, I started a Facebook page just called archery it's called archery instinct mm-hmm. um which is kind of a, uh, a nod to the style of shooting that that we do mm-hmm. um which is no sights no mechanical release mm-hmm. aids no help it's all you okay. um and it kind of blew up i'm almost yeah. at, i'm all, yeah it's like um i focused on the feminine i focused on on Meaning, when I say focus, I'm like kind of um, I curate content essentially mm-hmm. for a group of people online, okay. and I show them like things that I think are interesting in re- in, in regards to traditional or instinctive archery. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a ton of stuff out there that's all camouflage and like look at what I just killed and right. so on and so forth. There's not a whole lot of the what I'm seeing young women interested mm-hmm. in, which is that in self empowering 
self-reflective right. um, aspects to it. So archery instinct is really trying to do that, which is to shine a different light on this art. What a beautiful angle. Thank you for doing that. On well, behalf of all women, thank you for doing that. <laughs> You're welcome. I think, uh, what was the movie that was out that I think brought a lot of, uh, Hunger Games brought mm-hmm. that imagery, but I, I totally get that as, you know, a woman in the world today, especially the era that I grew up in, um, we weren't really told about holding our power. We weren't mm-hmm. taught about that. We were taught about shutting that down and <clears throat> being sort of the secondary in our world. And, um, I've had to do a lot of work to bring that out in myself, but that is something I keep sort of thinking about is this mental image of this identity that I want to have mm-hmm. for that part of myself. And mm-hmm. so those images and that work. It's yeah. Good. I mean, I think all of us men and women have a reflection of that warrior, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's right. the thing is like when you're, when you're practicing this art or whatever, you're shooting the hay bale in the backyard, you, it's never far from your mind, at least not from my mind anyway, that this is a weapon. Mm-hmm. It was designed to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, and, and getting really good at it, being, right. being able to put the arrow where I want it to go creates this kind of like, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's, it's definitely an ego boost. You know, right, it's like, right. it, it, um, it, it's a self empowering thing. And I think, uh, yeah, I think women, Women usually tend to be much better at it than men, in my mm. opinion. Why like, is that? They can't, you know, maybe not yank stretch. back the biggest, heaviest bows, mm-hmm. but they have better posture and they oh, have okay. better uh, kind of an overall uh, image of their bodies and, mm-hmm. and where their shoulders need to be and mm-hmm. the straight lines that need to be achieved and things like that, where I think a lot of men just kind of muscle through things. Right. Women, are, are, <laughs> they, they're better at finessing it. They become one. Yeah, the, and, and archery, traditional archery, is definitely about becoming one mm-hmm. with the bow and the arrow and everything else. So. It's beautiful to watch. I've seen, I've watched mm-hmm. some of the things on your site. It's just a really beautiful mm-hmm. art. Um, I shot a crossbow a couple months ago yeah a super powerful one and i didn't want to do it but my boys were doing it and they were like come on come on and it wasn't that i didn't want to do it because i i mean i've shot guns and things Mm -hmm. like that not really my favorite thing to do but Mm um i was like dead on Mm -hmm. they were yeah (laughs) they were pretty impressed there's there's (laughs) well and not to mention those the the crossbows i mean they are remarkable you know achievements of engineering right some of those crossbow bolts will fly at 500 feet per yeah, second, which is scary. like bullet time fast, you right. know, um, which is very scary. And yeah. I think, I don't know, like I, I, another reason that I love archery and um, again, I told you I went through a gun phase in my right. life mm-hmm. and I, 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 was, I was part of a shooting club. I went hunting uh, in Texas a mm-hmm. lot and um, it was a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Still am a really good shot, mm-hmm. um, but there was no... Like I, I know how long it's taken me to get to the point where I am with a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. It's taken me years to get right. to a place where I feel confident enough to like hit the same spot twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a gun, I could just pick it up and do it. Exactly. There was no, there was no learning curve really, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's the, it, that's the heart of the argument that I have towards guns in general, mm-hmm. is that with tech, all technology has gotten better. Our right. planes fly faster and further. Our cell phones are smaller and smaller and guns are more deadly than they mm-hmm. ever have been. And I think that like it's this kind of power that doesn't um, come with any learning. Oh, so. I know. I don't. I, that's why I don't like even though I've gone out and, you know, shot guns just because I have boys. So you get out and you, you sure. do things with them. But mostly when I do try to do it and I 
you know, I, I actually do it. It actually makes me step back, 10 steps back from it because I'm like, this is so scary that there are people running around with these things in their hands mm-hmm. and the, the power behind them. It, it mm-hmm. actually, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. But um, I would love to try archery sometime. I think it would take, I mean, I don't think I would be very good at it. I think you it might would, surprise it would be incredibly awkward, but it would be fun for sure. some, you know, YouTube uh, viral yeah. video stuff. So you can mm-hmm. do it for that. Yeah. It'd be awesome. You should come on over. <laughs> I'm, I'm here this week. Me too. Well, right. for one more day. So we'd have to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, okay. So what was my next question? How did you end up deciding? I'm going to totally jump a different sure. direction. Go How did it. you end up deciding film school? You know, this is like a oh, film school. I'm following like, um, you know, gun club in uh, Texas and <laughs> Boy Scouts camping. Yeah. yeah. And then film school. Um, I had a friend. So I was in band. That was my art, whatever. Yeah, I was in. Play? I played the trumpet. Play? The trumpet. Okay. Yeah, and I was I was decent. I could hold my own with the trumpet, but uh, I I told I tell musicians today, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I, it was eight years, you know, that I played mm-hmm. the trumpet, and I was oh, like yeah. first chair and this and first chair and that and blah right. blah blah. But like uh, when it came time for my senior year, and I finally kind of had a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose not to do band anymore and I chose uh, like mm. f- a photojournalism class essentially my high school had a photojournalism class okay um, and I think my I think my parents may have been a bit disappointed or something but like uh, <laughs> I just didn't you know music to me I love listening to music and everything but when I see a great musician playing mm-hmm. their music they feel it you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I was proficient at it I could hit the right notes and I, I could do the things that you needed to do but right. i didn't I, it wasn't speaking through me it like archery yeah right. it wasn't it wasn't my art you know mm-hmm. and so um on the other hand when i had a camera in my hand mm-hmm. you know those first times where i actually got to say you know like set up the shots for the high school mm-hmm. yearbook or whatever i just felt alive you know so mm-hmm. I, I i i wanted to be uh, originally i wanted to be a fashion photographer mm. i just thought Harper's Bazaar and Richard Avedon and all these 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 cats mm-hmm. were just like the coolest thing ever and uh-huh. um, yeah it, <laughs> it was a strange I don't know where it came from but I was I was really into fashion photography for quite some time while living in Texas in the middle I of nowhere. I was going to say this is yeah <laughs> well I travel so I travel I travel like a lot so- you know both sides balancing both sides yeah Yeah. and then so i was at the same at the same time i was also writing a lot in Mm. high school writing really bad poetry and we all short yeah exactly short stories (laughs) and things like this and i and um uh, i was hanging out at a coffee shop in in san antonio called zoe's coffee house and a character by uh his name is henry thomas Mm -hmm. used to used to go to um zoe's coffee house henry thomas played elliot in E.T. Oh, He's that little boy. I know He's him. Elliot. Right. And he had a property in San Antonio and would be there often. And this was his favorite coffee house or okay. whatever. And one night he, I guess, heard me read some horrible poetry or did something. And he, and he was like, he afterwards he came up to me. He was like, hey, man, we're, we're making this little independent film. What? And I want you to be in it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like... You know, he wanted me to read for it. So did you know he was there a lot and that's why you went there or it just no, happened? No, oh. we became friends. We actually wow. became friends and like um, and hung out quite a bit for a little bit, for a little while. But like, uh, 
Yeah, we didn't actually make this movie, but we went uh-huh. we went to I think he got called away to do it was Legends of the Fall at the time. He was mm. being called to Hollywood, back to Hollywood to do something big. Um so we never actually got to film this thing, but we did do a couple prep days, which included a day where um we went to this location and he kind of walked around with the producer and and talked to them about um because he was gonna direct this thing. Mm. He talked to them about what the camera was gonna be and why it was gonna be there and so and I was mm. just like that is what I want to do. Oh. Um, and I, yeah, before I always loved movies, but mm-hmm. never really kind of made the connection that human beings make movies. It just kind of <laughs> magical things that happen in a theater. And then suddenly you realize, like, wait a minute, this guy makes movies and mm-hmm. he's worked with some of the best. And now he's right. work, sitting here working with me. I can do this too. Mm-hmm. And it just opened up a whole new world for me. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 my, my father lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came time to choose a film school, it was New York, uh, LA or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have preferred to go to New York or LA, but mm-hmm. financially just didn't make mm-hmm. any sense. So Chicago it was, I went uh-huh. and lived with my dad and, then, uh, and went to film school for a little while. I didn't, nice. I didn't last that long. In film school. <laughs> okay. Why? Why is that? I, I realized pretty quickly in my opinion that film school is kind of a scam. Oh, okay. I I think that in in America today, there's like this, um, you know, growing up in the in the in the system, you're kind of you're kind of expected to go to college, and you Mm -hmm. you know you go to college for all kinds of things, whatever. And I think honestly, there's certain things that you should be an intern and not Mm -hmm. go to. You know what I mean? Like you should go to a place and be under someone and understudy or do something Mm -hmm. kind of life experience because. Film school for me was incredibly frustrating. It was still very expensive, even mm-hmm. though I was staying with my father. Um, the school itself was very mm-hmm. expensive, um, and I, I was I had learned more in the year before I got to school when I had actually decided I mm-hmm. wanted to be, go to film school and this is what I'm going to do. I read every book, I watched every behind the scenes documentary mm-hmm. I could get my hands on, and by the time I got to film school, I just ended up arguing with my teachers all the time because <laughs> I didn't think that they knew what was up. Yeah, so um, like more of an apprenticeship program. Yeah, you know, and then about a year and a half into it, I was, I had, I had made a feature film. I had written a a screenplay Mm -hmm. when I was in high school and, um, um, back when I knew Henry and, um, um, I made that one summer with a bunch of seniors that were also kind of in the same film school. And Mm -hmm. then right after that, somebody offered me a, it was $400 a week to go and film, um, four football games for a local news affiliate. And okay. so they sent me all over the Chicagoland area filming hmm. football. And I just, they had the edit suites, they had the cameras, they had oh, all nice. that stuff. So I basically had my, my film school by doing it and move, you know, yeah. through the industry that I way. I think that is, you know, this whole thing that we have about everybody needs to go to college or that's the only way that you can succeed is is wrong. Oh, it's a business. I know. mean, there's such, there's so much you can learn from a true craftsman, you know, by just under, you know, apprenticing with them, following them, reading. And today we have so much information right at our yeah. fingertips. Yeah. Going, so yeah. yeah, there's, there's plenty of things like, you know, you want to be a great audio engineer. You right. want to, nobody cares where you went to school. You know, right. they want to hear your stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to be a filmmaker? Nobody cares where you went to school. They mm-hmm. want to see your stuff. Right. Um, I've never had anybody I'm, other than in like, oh, in a party or something. Hey, right. where'd you go to school? You know, but like never uh-huh. uh, like when it came time for getting a job or being mm-hmm. hired for something. Nobody cares. Hmm. So how did you pivot that into um, advertising? Um, okay. So in film school, made my independent film film thing. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible movie. <laughs> 
really, really bad. Uh, You're not going to tell us where we can find it. Nope. Watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's uh, somewhere hidden away. It's in the vaults. Yeah. Okay. Um, but during that there, during that period of time in my life, I was just I was heavily involved in the independent film world. Mm-hmm. So always, 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 there was a screenplay in the in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. There was always kind of like, how can I get into an edit room? I need to borrow a camera from someone. Mm-hmm. I'm working with this group, or we're just constantly doing things. Started a film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and during that time, it was just a matter of finding work really, you know? Mm-hmm. So my very first job, which was shooting sports, um, mm-hmm. turned into editing sports. Okay. Um, and once I showed the, the, basically I was that I could shoot and I could edit. Mm-hmm. There were certain production companies that I knew through my independent film world mm-hmm. that were looking for people and they were doing more commercial work. So I kind of, ah, okay. I, I kind of weaseled my way into a production company as an editor first. Uh-huh. Um, and then they realized that I could shoot and then they realized that I could direct and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So it's just, yeah, you start, I started just basically kind of like, stones. yeah, I was yeah. A, a, an edit, an edit assistant first. Mm-hmm. which means you're just basically taking all the footage from a commercial mm-hmm. and Making ingesting some, it into the yeah. system and organizing it a little bit and right. may, maybe pulling a few selects, but then then stepping back and letting an editor sit down and do okay. the actual work. So that's where it started for me. And then, yeah, I've done, mm. I've directed, I've directed a Super Bowl commercial. You did. It's horrible. It's also horrible. Why was it horrible? <laughs> It's for, it's for fantastic know? OxyClean. It's yeah, it's like a it was like a we shot on a on a big white psych, you know, one of these uh-huh. stages with a big white room, so there's no no edges, no corners. Okay. And it's just a series of people cleaning various things. <laughs> so there's nothing it's not like beautiful art or anything. Right. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, I mean in general I, I learned a lot in the advertising world, but I think, you know, um, one of the main reasons I moved away from it and mm-hmm. I am moving away from it is because I just didn't care about anything that I was saying, right. you know, like, and as a filmmaker, uh, a storyteller, it's like, you tell yeah. us, tell another story that you don't believe in. Do it that again. So Do it true. again. <laughs> Do that it again. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it wears on you, you know, mm-hmm. it wears on you. So like I can do it. Mm-hmm. can make this product look amazing even you know whatever and make it look like everybody needs one, but, right. you, but you don't, it's plastic garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that story I'm, I was just getting tired of it. So, so I was. I, there's a lot of people that I think may be in that situation, right? And they they don't know how to turn left or right. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? Was it just like you got to a certain point, or like what made you leap? Women. Ah, <laughs> had nothing oh. to do with my career. <laughs> I have very, made very few decisions <laughs> in my life. Like, what's the best career move here? No, it, it was all yeah. <laughs> personal okay tumult. well yeah. i can't really throw that out as, as advice for people because that's very unpredictable <laughs> no, i mean Being sometimes, a myself, no, I I, yeah it's not advice i'm not giving any <laughs> advice here no but i i think uh, a, a lot of the big changes in my life have been um i don't know like you know i i went after my career with everything i had mm-hmm. um the whole movie thing the independent movie thing mm-hmm. it's just like i went for years I, I made a film a feature-length film when i was 20 years old mm-hmm. Um, we raised a budget. I ended, that's how, that's really why I learned how to edit at this mm-hmm. sports show is like, okay. I wanted to be able to finish my film. And so uh-huh. I like, sat down and learned how to edit because of that. 
Um, so I learned so much and gained so much from that experience. But I'll, I'll never forget the day that I had, I'm, you know, once I made the first movie, it was a, a mad dash to make the second and, and so on and so forth. And I was working on multiple scripts with multiple screenwriting partners and mm-hmm. all, all kinds of things were happening. And um, we we're going through rewrite after rewrite after rewrite. And when you're trying to raise money for mm-hmm. a film, there's like a formula, you know, it's basically how much TNA does your film have? How much mm-hmm. action does it have? How much, how, you know, like this, what kind of B list movie star can mm-hmm. you get for the lowest price dollar moment, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can sell this thing on mm-hmm. foreign cable channels or whatever. And so there's this, that sounds less interesting. It's horrible. It that way. It's, like, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. And, and at the end of the day, after going through multiple rewrites and different screenplays and actually writing screenplays that were very formula form formulaic, you know, so uh-huh. they would fit into one of these formulas that people would buy um i just i i I stopped writing in mid-sentence and i was like i'm writing a a movie that i don't want to go and see right what the hell am i doing Mm -hmm. and i just stopped i was like okay well advertising is paying the bills movies Mm -hmm. are not right so advertising i focused more on that and i focused more on on businesses and online content at Mm -hmm. that point i really kind of shifted um but yeah you just it wasn't any kind of one big decision to go in any direction. It was just kind of like I, I went down each path that I thought was before me no, until I realized it wasn't my path. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good to realize it, though. Not everybody gets there and turns around. <laughs> I'm not exactly where I thought I'd be. I'm 41 now, so I'm, I, I, I thought I'd be. Oh, we're like the camp. Um, we don't say ages in this. Oh, really? No, we don't. Okay. So. don't we? Well, I'm trying to own my <laughs> I'm <aid>. teasing <laughs> I'm not. So, okay. But you can. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question about when it all shifted or changed. I think it's just been a fluid thing. And Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of personal stuff wrapped up in the middle of it, you know, Mm -hmm. relationships. I just swore on your microphone. Oh, that's okay. People do that occasionally. (laughs) Trying not to. No, it happens once in a while, which is totally fine. So let me, I don't, I don't even know what to ask anymore. I don't even, I don't know if it's because we're in person and this is kind of new for me mm-hmm. that I'm running out of questions, which isn't true because I don't do that. So what is it, um, what is your favorite thing about this area? Uh, that's a good question. I know. No, um, because I've had like some really, really amazingly positive experiences mm-hmm. here, and I've also had some really dark, really horrible things. Mm. Yeah, um, I think my favorite place or my favorite thing about this area, the reason I live in Sonoma County, mm-hmm. is just you know driving up Coleman Valley Road and that mm-hmm. view over the ocean, and during the week when there's no one around, mm-hmm. being able to drive up Highway One and it's just gorgeous. It's the most beautiful place I've ever lived in my life. Have you been out of the country? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. See, I keep there. thinking maybe I just don't know better because I haven't no. left the country. No, you know better. But I, it's oh, okay. well, you, have, you haven't left the country. <laughs> I have not. Really? And so I think, yeah, not yet. Huh. I'm working on that. Okay. Um, so I think, I keep thinking, I love this area more than anything. But then I'm like, well, I've only sampled the United sure. States. So is that a fair assessment? Sure. But I think if I could snap my fingers and move anywhere in the world mm-hmm. that I had been to, it might not be Sonoma County. Okay. But like, you know, I'm American, so right. <laughs> kind of stuck here at the minute. What would be your, like off the top of your head, what would be the, the choice above Sonoma County if it were out of like a, a different country or a different place? 
I'm, I'm reluctant saying this okay. uh, because uh, I haven't been back in years, but okay. there was a place in Mexico that I loved mm, called Tulum. Tulum. Yeah, in the Riviera okay. Maya. It's like uh, South Cancun, about okay. uh, an hour if you rent a car, mm. and it's gorgeous. Mm. But um, I think everybody else found out about it. <laughs> There's like a McDonald's so there anymore, now and right. Walmart and whatnot. So I don't know if it's oh, the same. Oh, a Walmart. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I mean, off. honestly, I'd like to do some more traveling. I, I haven't been to Australia and I have, I'd love to go to New Zealand. Mm. Um, some of the little islands in the Pacific that are not going to be around for much longer. I'd like to check right. those out. Right. Um, yeah. Honestly, though, America, um, the last few trips I've taken have been like long road trips back mm-hmm. to Chicago, down to Texas, up to Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some places that are just so stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. in this country that we never hear about. Um, mm-hmm. Like? Um, Utah. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Holy that. moly. I know. that, uh, And yeah, that little sliver on the yeah. very top, it, it just... I know. I think everybody Every I know. Every corner I turned yeah. was like, my God, this is a postcard from National Geo. It I was know. just incredible. I think everybody I know has been going there because it seems like on Instagram, that's all mm. I'm seeing lately mm. is Utah. Yeah. Kind of calling me out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I, like, I, I met some folks. I did a job in Vegas not that long ago. And uh, um, after the job, it was a crazy job, uh, I was having a drink at a, a bar in Vegas. And there was two, uh, two, <laughs> two young women from uh, from England. They're from uh, Manchester. Okay. And they were like, where do we go? You know, uh-huh. like, what do we see in America? Should we go to New York? Should we go to L.A.? And I was like, "Get it, rent a car uh-huh. and buy a tent. You can always return it. Right. <laughs> you know, and go camping. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's really, it's the best thing, honestly, that America has to offer. Mm-hmm. is just, it's vast, open, wide spaces. I know. We just... We don't use them enough. Nope, we don't. Yeah. So um, last question, I think, is if somebody wanted to begin archery, mm. what would you recommend? That's where, where we started start? talking about archery. I don't know I how know. we got I off. circle back. Wasn't okay. that, a, that was impressive, wasn't it? <laughs> Super pro. Right. No. Yeah. So archery. <laughs> so where would you, where would you recommend somebody begin if they oh. were going to start doing that um, sport? If they wanted to start archery. Well, um, like my son, for example, it might be a great thing for him to have like an independent self-motivated you know self-driven sport versus team sports Mm -hmm. i was dead against um clubs Mm -hmm. for a long time Mm -hmm. because i felt like every time i went to the club there was just like every dude was wearing camouflage Mm -hmm. and it was all it was that kill culture that i don't really like Mm -hmm. um but i just had an experience just this past um summer actually okay um, well, we're in the middle of that, but like uh, this, it started in the spring mm-hmm. where there's a group called the Sonoma County Bowmen mm-hmm. and they meet um, on Wednesdays at this ranch out by Petaluma and they go out and they set up a whole bunch of targets mm-hmm. like the, and they're, 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 and this is something else I had a, a slight issue with, which was that they're animal targets. They're shaped like animals. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when you're shooting at like this giant, you know, panther of a cat, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I question, I'm like, I would never in a million years uh-huh. shoot an animal. And so I avoided these things mm-hmm. um, for a long time. But then I, I, I kind of need an excuse to go shoot. There's a group of people going to do it. Um, it's kind of a competition where, mm-hmm. you know, they set up these targets and then they put where you're supposed to be and you have to shoot three arrows from different whatever. So okay. it's actually testing your skills quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I really, really enjoyed it. And they have all kinds of outreach programs. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my advice to anybody who's really interested in, 
um, specifically traditional art archery, I'd say go and find the local club that, that offers something. Okay. And even if it's a bunch of yahoos with their camouflage and whatever, they'll give you the basics and you, mm-hmm. can, you can take it from there. Okay. The, the, the one good thing about, I think, um, and it's a skill in and of itself, it's something mm-hmm. that maybe I, I hope to never use, mm-hmm. but um, being able to read a target, you know, if you're looking at a deer target, mm-hmm. where do you hit that deer and mm-hmm. why? There's, there's a skill to it. And depending on how they're standing in the mm-hmm. woods and whatnot, I mean, you ha- really have to decide whether or not to take the shot or not and, mm-hmm. and, and these sorts of things. But um, being able to actually read an animal, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm a really good shot and I can right. go out and shoot something. Right. But if you've never done it, if you had to go out and put mm-hmm. food on the table, do you know where to shoot the rabbit? <laughs> or, or are you just going right. to go out there and throw an arrow at it and see what happens, which right. is not an, an ethical thing to do. Okay. And, any, and there's actually a scoring uh, mechanism in some of these clubs where there's a, there's, a, there's a spot on the animal target that you're mm-hmm. supposed to hit, which is the quote-unquote kill zone, okay. um, where the vital organs are and things like that. Right. And that's a certain number of points. And if you hit the animal anywhere other than that, you get negative points. Oh. Because wounding an animal is something that we don't want to do. Oh, I did um, not know that. So, yeah. I mean, I understand it, but I didn't know that there yeah. was like Yeah, and specific... I, didn't, I didn't really know it either until mm-hmm. I started hanging out with these groups. And that's mm-hmm. why I'd say, like, even though it might there might be that kind of rednecky whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend finding a local club and mm-hmm. seeing what they do and seeing what they offer. Okay. Um, um, and I'd... Yeah, finding someone to finding someone that can help you on that first mm-hmm. afternoon, so you're not just going to the store and buying a bow and setting uh-huh. up a target in the backyard and watching right. a video and and trying to do it, mm-hmm. but actually having somebody watching you and being able to coach you through a few basic things mm-hmm. um, would also be very helpful. Because a lot of yeah. people learn the wrong way to do something, bad form. and then you go and you're yeah. like, "Where did you? Get, how did you learn how to do it that way?" Right? <laughs> they're like, "Well, I just do it." Um, I think uh, it does help. It does help to get the form down first, and I like the idea that of uh, working with people. So we'll look for that for him and mm-hmm. give that a try. Maybe they'll get some Up more in people. Wisconsin. There's tons of them. Tons of. And the, the problem is going to be is when you go to them, they're all, they're going to hand you. They're going to say, "Well, where's your compound fancy mechanical?" Right. You know, blah blah blah, bo. Uh-huh. Um, and I strongly recommend avoiding all that stuff. Okay. Like anything with gadgetry on it, just stay away from it. Okay. Pick something that's beautiful. You know, like get a bow that you think you can just look at and be okay. like, "Wow, it's beautiful." Hang on the wall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Put yeah. it on the wall. Be proud of it, and then right. it's so much more fun to shoot. Well, and obviously, we'll come to you for advice. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also like the idea um, for my children and for myself, even of building. Of, and they're way, my older son is way ahead of me on this, so I'll admit that out loud. But just building more of my survival skills, mm. like how, what if I did have to, mm-hmm. you know, like I was out there um, foraging for raspberries mm-hmm. <laughs> or blackberries mm-hmm. the, uh, last night before you came and plums. And like there's this really tall branch. And I actually was trying to get really um, smart and figure out a way to get to that tall branch. So I was taking raspberry bush branches that had fallen that were had spikes like thorns on them to try to reach up and hook the branch and uh-huh. if that would have been on video again good viral video opportunity but like if you Did look you at me clawed i am so clawed <laughs> up i'm wearing long sleeves today because i'm just like all yeah, beat up from sure. it. and i thought these are things i don't know in fact some dogs came uh neighboring dogs came and tried to get the foxes we have a little fox family living here mm-hmm. and then uh, another person said oh they're they'll just run into the raspberries and they'll hide and the dogs mm-hmm. won't get them i'm like oh 
That's a clever good, tip good I would not have hide. known. Yeah. Would, should wear long sleeves if I ever have to do that. But <laughs> yeah, those raspberry or those blackberry yeah. bushes are They're wicked. Vicious. Oh my gosh. And it's good that you're getting some use out of those guys because getting rid of them is <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing task. It's, it takes a, some serious strength to get. You actually have to rip out the roots wow. and whatever. They're, they come back. Better. Well, I figure if they're here, if nobody's eating them, I might as well. No, right? go for it. Yeah. I mean, the deer are coming down and eating them. As no, well, I mean, but... as far as the, the living off the land or being more, I mean, I think it goes back to that kind of the idea of being able to shoot well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I ever, if I ever needed this skill, right. I'm, I'm confident in the skill. Right. Whereas you're walking through the woods and um, you may have be going home to, you know, a whole foods prepared right. meal. <laughs> but like, uh, um, just the knowledge, right. like being able to walk around and saying that plant I can eat, that plant I can't eat. I know. it's uh, It creates confidence. It does. Because so I have about, like on the scale of 1 to 100, I have about a two, two level 2. I'm at 2 as far as survival skills. Mm-hmm. My son, my other son is probably at like a 50. My younger son, he's probably pretty close. He watches a lot of things and reads things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just not... I didn't have enough experience in that. So I'm trying to build those skills like the camping on the beach, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll learn one way or another right, the right. hard way. Yeah. <laughs> possibly. I think I learned about camping is in Texas driving down to Galveston or, or South uh, South Padre Island. Probably. Oh. And we would like friends, we would drive down there and then it'd be too far to drive back. So we just kind of <laughs> crash on the yeah. beach. And so it was like it was uncomfortable camping. But I've camped on the beach in Mexico. I've camped mm. on the beach in Greece. I've in uh, Crete. Oh, oh. Um, like some that really sounds amazing. places. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's all romantic and beautiful. Yeah. It's not horrible at all. It really <laughs> depends on who you're going with, you know. <laughs> It Back really, to the women yeah, again. It really I get it. Because okay. you can be with someone and, and they're just like, you know, this is uncomfortable, but wow. What an experience. Or you can be with somebody who's so focused on the, oh, I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I would be all about the wow. I mean, I just, like even yesterday or the other day when we were at the beach, the amount of sand in my, it was really windy. And Mm -hmm. the amount of sand in my ears that night, I'm like, how did that even happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the big one. Camping on the beach is you find sand everywhere. (laughs) It's like it's unavoidable. That's okay. Yeah. My favorite kind of camping would be, you know, uh, I don't like it too muggy. You know, oh, back know, in Wisconsin, either. would get really muggy. It's horrible. And the mosquitoes. Um, yeah. Mm. And a body of water. Mm-hmm. I like river. A river, a ri- camping next to a river, that, that constant flow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about it. Hmm. Um, it's good to know. So things like that I look for. Nice. Camping under the redwoods, not necessarily the best thing. Depends. Why? <laughs> well, uh, they fall over. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they don't they don't fall over that often, but uh, there's a lot of like and most of these trees have had plenty of work done, but right. like there's these lower branches that die, mm-hmm. that die and they call them widow makers. I've heard that term. What does that mean? They just randomly fall off, you know, oh. redwoods. And when a redwood oh. is like three hundred feet high, even if that branch is not huge, it's still gonna knock you senseless. Oh, now I know. I thought it meant the whole tree falling. No. I didn't know it meant just a branch. No. I should be more careful. Yeah. And especially <laughs> windy, you know. So there's the, right. you know, like you you find some spots out there like up in I went camping in uh just outside of Fort Bragg. Okay. Uh recently and in the middle of the night a whole redwood fell over. Wow. And it sounded like a bomb going off. It was like, uh, it was, I know, yeah. isn't that crazy? That happened to me. There's a uh, path I go about three miles from here towards the ocean. It's a lookout path. You walk up about a mile uh-huh. and you can see the I'm whole familiar. valley. Oh, yeah. it's my favorite yeah. place. Yeah. 
I was sitting up there meditating and actually like asking the like the the heavens some questions and uh I asked the question and all of a sudden like behind me a redwood fell. Really? Fell. Wow. Over. You were and right there? I was right there. So and like it, it just crashed yeah, and the earth like shook. It yeah. was it was and then I'm like, well, that's a pretty uh, direct answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you were saying earlier, um, right before we started, how like redwoods don't have a, a huge, they, the roots don't go down very far. Right. They go out and they interlock with all the other trees around right. them and they keep each other up. Um, so you get seasons like we had last winter um, mm -hmm. where we had a lot of rain. Right. And the earth shifts around and some of them are just going to fall. It's just part of the deal. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, so. When they fall, it is Everybody yeah. hears it. I don't care about that whole nobody hears things. Everybody yeah. hears that. Uh, apparently the poem, I mean, because like, I think I was on a hike with somebody around here and I was like, how magical a place to live yeah. under these redwoods. And they were like, yeah, the Pomo Indians never lived under these redwoods. Huh. They, they kind of, they would go into the forest for different right. things, but they never lived under the forest. Which makes, makes sense. Mm. I get it now. It uh, is red, and redwood bark is very abrasive. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not... Um, around it a lot it's oh. it can mess up your nasal cavity <laughs> i noticed that too yeah, yeah. but pollen. it's still worth it it's so beautiful i love the smell and oh can't get enough of it mm. this has been really such a luxury having you here like an enjoyable just having someone in this space that i love this mm -hmm. airbnb i mean i come back here again and again and amongst the redwoods and having this conversation thank you so much it was my pleasure um, before we wrap, can you? Are there places where people can find you? Do you want to mention? A few sure. I mean, you can things? if you're interested in the archery aspect of things. Mm -hmm. You can find that on Facebook. It's Archery Instinct, one word. Um, and um, can you email me? Do I, I? Yeah, I guess you could just email me. My 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 email address is edwardseaton at gmail dot com. Okay. It's pretty simple. I'll throw that. It's all not up a big secret. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not now. <laughs> no, no. I, I got. I jumped on that one early. The <laughs> Gmail with my name on it and. Uh, I get emails from people all over the world who are Very trying cool. to get a hold of Edward Seaton, but a different Edward Seaton. Oh, so, yeah. so there's a different one. There's several. Are yeah, there? Yeah, there's okay. a doctor in England. There's somebody in Africa. Mm. There's like, yeah. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I get like schedules for their kids, uh, <laughs> like uh, swim meets and stuff, though, you know, because they think that is cool. Yeah, no, it's getting a little old. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mine is not that. You have to know the code to find mine. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, thank you again. And thank I you. look forward to hearing more about the um, thing going up on in Humboldt. Yeah, the Humboldt Adventure Camp. I'll keep you posted. All right. Sounds All right. good. See, I told you, laughing out loud all the way through. So what I learned from Edward was the whole idea that you really need to pay attention to what your spirit, your soul, whatever it is inside of you that tells you whether something's lighting you up or not, you need to pay attention to that. I've gotten pretty good at that, I'll have to say, but for a long time, I didn't. I admire his willingness to sort of pivot and pivot again and then pivot again. And I'm especially excited about this camp that they're creating up in Humboldt. And I'm seriously going to go, people. So, hey, glisteners, let's do it. Let's do a glistening particles pilgrimage to the Humboldt campground, the, the adventure camp, and um, have the time of our life there, all right? Let's do it. If you're in, let me know. Head over to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and say, yeah, I'm in. We'll see you there. We'll pick a date. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. 
And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.